Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Well, good afternoon, Ben. How are you doing today? Uh, doing okay. How about you? I'm doing well. So I've been really busy. Uh, last week was in the city of Philadelphia, and next week I'll be uh, at a uh, Baptist conference center uh, about an hour and a half away. So I've been really busy lately. Yeah, so did you, uh, you hang out with Bryce Harper while you were in Philly? or I did not, no. So uh, <laughs> that's, I'll pass on that one. So. <laughs> How are you? What's been going on? Uh, well, we took a road trip to Pennsylvania, too. We were just on the other side of the state. We tried to see Punxsutawney Phil, but he was hiding in his burrow. So, uh, but we did see the Amish, which that's always sort of a, a weird thing for me. It's like, if those are real people, just, you know, going down the street there in their horse. So that was fun for the kids. And I mean, it was good to see my in-laws and um, saw horses and all kind of things. So, but, you know, we're back at it and that's, it's busy again. That's good. You know, in my trip to Philadelphia with the youth, I probably had an hour of free time the entire time. And during that hour of free time, I tried to use my iPad and watch a little bit of Stranger Things that just got posted up. It's one of my favorite shows. You ever watch that show? Well, do you need to ask? <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, I've heard of the show, though, but no, I have not seen it. Okay. Well... I, I really like the show. And one thing that uh, is seen as one of the most emotional moments in the show, I'm not spoiling much because it's from the end of the first season and the beginning of the second season, is uh, there's basically like this girl that's like has superpowers more or less. It's, it's more interesting than it sounds. Uh, and uh, she ends up getting uh, basically fostered to adopt uh, by this uh, police officer. Uh, and uh, and it's seen kind of as a, this really beautiful moment. So, but really, I mean, it's not that beautiful because it's pretend. But uh, something that truly is beautiful is real fostering and adopting. That doesn't involve getting millions of dollars of paychecks to pretend you're doing something you're not doing, right? Yeah, it's a it's a good uh, distinction to make. So uh, that uh, though people had emotional reaction to that those scenes. Um, uh, I think God really does work through real-life fostering. Uh, and so we, we've got an exciting opportunity today, uh, and we're going to be able to talk to uh, Tommy and Kelly Spears. Tommy and Kelly Spears have done fostering ministry uh, for years. Uh, they foster to adopt children. Uh, and uh, most importantly to me, they've been deep friends of ours, uh, me and my wife, for years now. Uh, and actually, uh, Tommy was one of my pastors at our church in Kentucky. Uh, that we went to while I was in grad school. So, uh, and we were really blessed for, for our friendship, even the years that we were in a small group together that they led. So, uh, it was a great blessing to us. So, uh, Tommy and Kelly, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to be here. Wonderful. Thanks for coming on. We, yeah, thank you. We deeply appreciate it. So, yeah, the the we haven't covered this topic before, really, and. Uh, I don't think, I mean, there's some that, you know, topics that we've covered in from different angles. Um, so it's, I think, a good opportunity to dig into this and um, encourage those and uh, help people just, you know, think about this topic. So, Yes, absolutely. So I want to start uh, by asking you guys, uh, can you guys tell us about your lives and your current ministry uh, 
opportunities right now? Uh, well, we're, um, we live in Valdosta, Georgia. I'm a, a worship pastor at Covenant Baptist Church in Valdosta. We just moved here. We've been here almost a year. August 1st will be my one-year anniversary at the church. And um, we are in the, uh, we have seven children, uh, one of which is still technically in the foster care system. Uh, not ours, but we, we, we are their foster, her foster parent, and uh, we're in the process of adopting her, and that should be finalized hopefully by the end of this year. Um, but we are, we are in hot and humid South Georgia, <laughs> where the uh, gnats and the gators are thriving, and we're <laughs> serving a, a really loving church here. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what we're up to right now. Praise the Lord. So. That's great. I didn't realize that you guys, I mean, I, I think we met briefly when uh, we all lived in, in the Kentucky area or Louisville area, but I didn't realize you guys had moved to Georgia. So, Yeah, we um, we just moved last July, so hadn't been long. Okay. So. so how did you guys first get involved in foster care? Uh, so we, we've always had uh, a desire to adopt. And uh, we had our, our sights set on international adoption just because we had uh, friends that had, had gone that route. And uh, we, we went to a, a, um, a seminar in Louisville uh, put on by Focus, Focus on the Family and Orphan Care Alliance, which was a local, local ministry in Louisville. And the seminar was about foster care and adoption. And we just went just because we wanted to get some more information. And after talking to several people there, we felt that uh, one, one of the things that we were counseled was just, you know, there's so much need in foster care. There's also a, a local and, you know, stateside adoption that can happen. Um, and so it may just be that we need to kind of start rowing down the river, so to speak, of orphan, orphan care and see where the Lord leads us. And so we did that and we just... Um, really moved by some testimonies of, of a, a young lady who uh, was in, in a foster homes and aged out of the system, and then another foster dad uh, kind of told his story of, of fostering and adoption. And so we just decided, you know, that this is an opportunity right in front of us. We don't have to go overseas necessarily. Uh, and so we signed up to get more information, and from there we were, at about two months later, I think we were actually approved um, for fo- our first foster placement. So, praise the Lord. Okay. So, and you know, I have to say it's exciting that we get to uh, actually talk with three members of the Spears household today. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's our, our newest addition. So, praise the Lord. So. That's great. Now, how has your faith influenced your decision to foster? Um. I mean, I, I don't know that we would have ever done fostering if it weren't for the fact that we were believed that God was passionate about caring for the, the fatherless. Um, so we uh, we see that uh, in the gospel that uh, God adopts, you know, he uses that kind of language uh, for mm-hmm. bringing sinners into his family. The father sent his own son to take our penalty, you know, penalty for sin and, and all who believe in him become children of God. And so he adopts people as his sons and daughters who were not his family um, in that sense. And, and so that definitely uh, is, is it 
that shapes our whole life. And so we see the, the, yeah. the picture of adoption and fostering very near to what God has done for us. Um, so I, I don't think we would have ever done fostering or adoption if it weren't for, uh, for that, that reality that God has adopted us as his own children. So, so what, because it's obviously a significant life change, what have been some of the adjustments in life, um, from raising foster children? Um, I can speak a little bit to that. Um, whenever we started to foster, I mean, right, right from the beginning, um, you have a lot of people in your home. <laughs> so uh-huh. you have to be um, open to many guests and um, strangers who are, who are really um, nosy <laughs> and digging. Um, and so just trusting God um, with, you know, having surprise visits, having these home visits that sometimes they're called pop-in visits where they just pop in to see you. Those were big adjustments. Um, and then also just adjusting to the foster kids themselves, especially kids that are older and that um, have never been disciplined. And so you have to, and you can't discipline the way that the Bible teaches. And so having to um, figure out creative ways to discipline these children um, are big adjustments, I would say. Those were probably the biggest adjustments. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. You know, uh, before I do answer, ask the next question, rather, um, I do want to uh, say, you know, I'm really glad that you guys were able to join us in the podcast. Uh, and I think it's really been an answer to prayer. And I want to say that uh, one cool thing in this is I think that you guys, even from our relationship back in, and when I was in seminary, uh, you guys had a huge impact in shaping uh, my the way that I approach fatherhood. Even seeing, uh, especially your uh, teaching your children, Tommy and Kelly, seeing your motherhood was really influential, I think, in our family and a really positive way that I don't know that we'd be doing something like the TFM if it wasn't for you guys. Thank you. Well, that's a definite praise because we feel like we don't know what we're doing most days. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's, you know, we don't really know what we're doing either. (laughs) And, uh, then I want to ask, uh, what have been some of the greatest joys and some of the greatest challenges of fostering children? I think um, greatest greatest challenges um, just the, the it it is it really is to, to not kind of you know hold any punches it is a it it really dis dis uh, it doesn't disrupt your life but it's like it can be it can be really consuming time consuming um, it it takes. Um, just a lot of a lot of adjusting, um, and it affects everything. I mean, there's nothing that's not touched. I mean, our, the way our, our children, um, our bio- biological children, adjust to uh, you know having kids and strange you know adults in our house when they're they're doing home studies and visits and things. Uh, it's just everything. So, uh, and, and the older the kids get. You know, the more they understand, the more they can think independently and, you know, and, and we're trying to explain to them, you know, why we're doing the things that we're doing. But 
but it also means for them they're having to sacrifice their own time, their own space uh, with with people, with kids that don't share the same kind of, you know, <laughs> convictions or, you know, moral uh, reasons for doing things. And so, um, so that, I mean, it's just, I think the biggest challenge is that it, it just, it just affects every part of your life. But even, even, you know, we homeschool kids. And so one big challenge for me was, Sometimes you have visits several days a week and you would have to, I would have to stop in the middle of my school day, load everybody in the van, drop them off at the office, bring everybody back home, do school for about an hour, load everybody back up, go back to the office, pick up the Ooh. child. And then not only are you picking up a child, but emotionally the things that are involved in that, you know, then the rest of the day. So it's, it really is a, a selfless, <laughs> um, or you have to die to yourself, I guess is what I'm yeah. saying, because there were many days where I just wished I could stayed home and I didn't have to, to get out. And, um, um, so those are challenges. And then obviously the joys are, there's just so many. Um, and our main joy is we've gotten to adopt two children out of foster care. Um, and about to adopt our third. And so that isn't always the case for everybody who fosters. Um, but the Lord has allowed us to do that. And that has been, oh, I can't, I can't imagine my life without these three kids. But that's definitely a joy. Yeah. That's, that's great. And I, I mean, I appreciate you guys being honest and just is not painting this overly rosy picture that it, everyone's just holding hands and, uh, <laughs> happy all the time. Um, so Kelly, this, this question's for you. Uh, how did you get involved in working with the, because you guys used to live in Indiana, um, working with the Indiana foster system? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, it kind of comes naturally <laughs> because you're, like I said earlier, you have a lot of people coming into your home. But as a, as a Christian, um, we really took that opportunity and ran with it because you have lots of lost people entering your home. You have uh, workers that that are putting the children in your home, directors and things like that. And then you have the caseworkers that are coming into your home. You also have a lot of the children that you foster a lot of times have disabilities, either that's developmental delays, physical delays. And so we at one point had a physical therapist, a developmental therapist, and a speech therapist all coming into our home every single week. So sometimes they were coming twice a week, you know, one of those ladies. And and so over, I think over about five years, we had these same ladies coming into our home, plus, you know, your caseworkers and stuff. And so they become family almost. And, um, there was one point where there was a 50-year-old physical therapist that came in, and the Lord just opened the door, and she began asking questions about God. She began, um, she even wanted wanted to start a Bible study with me, and um, and so the Lord, the Lord just gave us many opportunities to share the gospel, to share our faith, um, and so really, it's a perfect, it's really the perfect mission field. I thought. 
Um, that was one of the things when we moved to Georgia and we decided we probably aren't going to foster anymore after this. Possibly. We don't know. We're, we're still open. Um, but to think about losing that opportunity was, was a little difficult to think about. So also working with, um, birth parents was a really great opportunity to share the gospel, um, because you're spending lots of time with birth parents. Not not all foster parents do, but we we decided that we wanted to be heavily involved with the birth parents. Um, and so with our oldest daughter that we adopted, her mom started coming to church with us, and um, she, she and her boyfriend did a Bible study with us. And so we just, oh, when you think about it, like it makes you think, wow, I can't believe we did that. But, uh, <laughs> But it, it was such an amazing opportunity. And so I encourage anybody who decides to foster to to really be involved in that way because you have so many opportunities to share your faith. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, so. that's and just another way of how your, your faith is affecting the way you go about fostering. That, yeah. that's, that's very encouraging to hear. Yeah. So similar question then. Why did you pursue involvement in the foster system beyond taking in children? Yeah, beyond beyond taking in children, it, it really is you you've got multiple people that are connected, um, whether it's caseworkers, biological parents, um, other people that are watching you, you know, your own friends, your own family. Uh, we've had uh, we've had multiple people in our lives that are now fostering and I, um, and they've, you know, it's just been neat to see just not, not that we've necessarily done anything to, to, you know, to, to make that happen, but it's just, we've seen God do a similar work that he's done in us in people around us. And so, um, yeah, we just had somebody this weekend say, if it weren't for you fostering, we don't think we would have fostered because we, because we, they, they had fears just like everybody does that. Oh, I, I don't know that I could do that. And, um, when they saw us do it, um, and believe me, it was difficult, very, very difficult at times, times where we thought, man, I don't think we can do this anymore. Um, but other people seeing us go through it, I think it encouraged them to, to see, you know, the Lord can, the Lord may want us to do this as well. So, so guys, why should Christian parents consider fostering? I mean, you guys talked about, you know, kind of how you first got involved, but you know, what, uh, I don't know, wait, what ultimately pushed you, what, you know, do you think might push other Christians into doing that? Um, well, just one, the great need. I mean, I don't remember the, the, um, the numbers terrible with, with remembering detailed numbers, but in Georgia, I know there are thousands of kids that are just waiting to have a foster home. Uh, Georgia is spending tons of money paying for essentially, uh, sitters, to sit with children that they don't have a foster home for, and they're sitting with them in hotel rooms. So they're paying hotel, uh, you know, uh, rates and uh, 24 sitter, 24 hour sitters 
to watch these kids that don't have foster homes to go to. There's just a crisis um, all over the country. It's not just in, in certain areas. It's, it's all over the place. So I think the great need is, um, is very significant. Um, right now, in uh, I, I don't know the details behind it, but I know that, uh, that uh, Trump has actually made some monies available um, for agencies that are involved that, that he's wanting he's wanting to see uh, you know efforts going into the foster care system and, and orphan care uh, issues. And what's going to happen is anybody that is interested in making money, uh, they can have, uh, they can pursue this and, you know, start a ministry for foster kids or whatnot. And, uh, they can, you know, just do whatever they want and, and they're going to, they're going to, you know, there's money available to it. So this is a great opportunity for Christians to take advantage of the time. Um, because if we don't, um, the window uh, of opportunity will actually probably close pretty quickly. And, uh, we, there, there's going to be kids that are going to be influenced by, um, other other worldviews that that that, um, that we we would you know just that that aren't necessarily as helpful or at least the, just the opportunity for uh, just for Christian people to be uh, taking advantage of the opportunities that's available right now in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think we heard if every Christian church or not every Christian church every every. I don't know. Every, it might be your church. Yeah, I every, think it is church every church in um, America States. would one family out of that church would foster. It would take every single. Um, yeah, it would. There, it would, there would, would be no. There would be no foster, foster care. care. Yeah, mean, it would just take one, every church to take in one child, and the foster care issue would be at least the you know the, the ones that don't have homes would be remedied. Yeah. So, and I do um, believe in our county there are thousands of. Uh, children that need to be fostered. We have, I think, fifty to sixty thousand people in this county, and there are only twenty foster families. Is what I heard last. Wow. So, so I'm sure that's kind of across the board in most um, counties. So there's just a really huge need. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, yeah, that's. I mean, that is really uh, pressing, and I mean, it just really shows you that extent of the need. And I, and I hope and pray that uh, some listeners might be impacted to support this in some way. Uh, so I do want to ask, you know, uh, there are a variety of things. A lot of what you guys have said is connects not just to fostering to adopt, it connects to fostering in general without intention to do that, as well as adopting, uh, adopting overseas, international, or even adopting domestically. But should Christians consider fostering with intention to adopt? And a similar question, how does that compare to other forms of adoption? Uh, yeah, so I mean, we did. We were that. That was one of the main reasons why we we considered fostering was with the intent to adopt. Uh, and so, yes, that that is that happens. Uh, that happens often. Uh, and I would say yes, that's a that's a, a legitimate um, legitimate desire, legitimate motivation. I mean, the, the, I don't I don't see where obviously we're not going to fix the system we're not going to find a home for every child permanent home but i i think we should push towards uh getting kids you know the state will work towards reunification having the children back to their biological family and i think that's right and that should be the intent 
um, whenever possible. Um, but sometimes it's just not possible. And so we should, when it's not possible, then we should be wanting and desiring for these children to have a permanent home uh, through adoption. So I think that's appropriate motivation. Um, and I, I would say just compared to other types, I mean, you know, in, a, in a lot of ways, it's you know, you've got a lot of intrusion to deal with with the state, you know, uh, you know, checking on your finances and doing home studies and all this kind of stuff, which you have just, to do that. Some, a lot of that happens anyway, but there's still some more things that that, that has to happen for children who are in the care of the state and they, they just they uh, but beyond that um, I mean it, it's there's not as much um, cost involved you know, for the, the, the parents to adopt domestically through foster care the state pays for uh, quite a bit of it and uh, almost sometimes uh, close to all of it uh, yeah so our first two adoptions were free <laughs> pretty oh. much we we um you know, they pay for your attorney fees. Um, they pay for your home study. They pretty much, you know, pay for all of it. Sometimes you have to pay a couple hundred dollars, but usually that's it when you adopt out of foster care. Wow. Another thing I, w- I would like to say about um, should Christians consider fostering with the intention to adopt, um, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with that being what they want to do, but I also think that you need to definitely go into it not expecting to adopt. I mean, we've we've seen a lot of families that go into it wanting adoption so badly and then never yeah. getting to actually adopt. And so um, we've just been blessed to be able to. Um, there are a lot of children in foster care that are older that are already ready and to be adopted. And so you can go into foster care looking to adopt that way, but also a lot of families would like a baby. And so, um, it was really difficult when we first started and we, we had our first daughter just to hold her with an open hand to God, because, you know, it was our first little girl that we had ever had. And you, you're taking care of them all through the night. And so, obviously that attachment is there and it was really an emotional roller coaster for me. Um, but the Lord helped me through it and he grew me in my faith through that. Um, and then the more kids that we got, we got another little baby. It was a little bit easier. And then we got some older kids and then we got another little baby and that baby was a little bit easier to do. And I think the more you do it, the easier it gets. Um, but, but, um, I would just say people, that are wanting to adopt out of foster care, you have to go into it thinking, these are not my children. These are the Lord's children. And yeah. um, if if I'm able to adopt, praise God. But if I'm not, you know, reunification is what is most important. Yeah, that's a fantastic attitude. Mm. Yeah, that's... I uh, can't imagine the, the difficulty there, but th- that is a um, great perspective on that. So how can Christian foster parents leave an eternal impact in a potentially short time? You just, you guys just said that adoption is not always what happens. Um, mm-hmm. So how can you leverage that time really well? I mean, I think the, in the biggest way, um, the way that we care for the children 
care for the, the biological parents and, and even care for the caseworkers that are coming into to your homes. Uh, we, there's a huge opportunity to look different than the world does when they're in the system because unfortunately there are, there are some people who foster uh, children and they do it for reasons other than concern for orphans. Um, they have, you know, little or no concern for the biological parents. And so, I mean, it really is, you know, Jesus' words, they will know you are my disciples by your love. And so when we love uh, one another, but, but when we love others, uh, it just displays, um, a, you know, and, and sometimes it, it, really, it really is only a short time. Um, we have children that were placed in our homes for, you know, as little as a week because there was just a transition period while they waited to get into their, get back to their, their homes with their parents or something. Um, and, but we've heard testimonies of, of other foster uh, parents who they've had children in their home for just a little bit of time, but their children are now grown and they remember just the love that that their foster parents gave them and it's, and it's affected them their entire life. So, uh, it, it really just boils down to just showing love in those situations and it just it's to be different than the rest of the world. Um, so. Yeah, that's good. And, and how do parents help, uh, their children already in the home understand this? Cause I'm, I'm sure in a lot of ways it's gotta be real shell shock, uh, to children that are already in the home. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah, it's 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 difficult. Um, you know, we we had a we had one boy that came to our home. Uh, we were told uh, he was one age, and he turned he turned. You know, his birthday was the day we got him, and he looked two years older than he actually was. <laughs> and so we we kind of we were hoping to get somebody that was a little bit younger and and less developed, so that. That our our uh, our older two sons would would it just wouldn't get too too complicated and conflict you know with boys, um, but you know the Lord had other plans and so it was a lot of conflict, and um, but it was also opportunities I saw where the Lord worked in our children in ways that man they were they were probably learning lessons about humility and about being patient and forgiving in ways that you know, I didn't have to deal with when I was that age. And so, uh, there was, there was just a lot of, a lot of opportunities to counsel, a lot of opportunities to, to resolve conflict, uh, in a, in a biblical way with our children, pointing them to the gospel, pointing them to Christ and his example of, of, of not, you know, when he was reviled and he didn't revile in return, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And so just teaching them how, you know, wrongs that are committed to them or, or even things that they feel are wrong, uh, we can trust God in those. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it, it's, it, there's definitely challenges to helping our own kids understand, but, it, but it, we saw very quickly these are good lessons that they need to learn, and and we trust that God's going to use them as as they you know grow into adulthood, and 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 we don't know how, but but we trust that He will. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's it's I mean, like so many things, marriage is 
having biological children, you know, it's a school and sanctification. And so, um, I mean, that's a, an aspect of I haven't even thought about the kind of the lessons your kids might learn through it. Um, so kind of branching further out from that, how can parents in the church help their own children understand children who are adopted and who are foster children? By nature, we think in ways about other people that aren't like us. We think in a lot of ways that something's wrong with them or, you know, what, you know, they're, they're not as, you know, they're not as holy or whatever, you know, like they're, they're strange. And, and sometimes, you know, children who are, have, have very difficult, very, very difficult uh, home lives. Um, they don't develop like kids in a healthy situation. They just yeah. don't. And, and so they're going to be socially awkward at times. They're going to be acting out in, in ways that, 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 that other people don't necessarily feel comfortable uh, with, um, you know, just general, you know, you know, you might be, a, you might be a nine-year-old, but they might be acting, you know, throwing tantrums like a four-year-old. Um, and so, but, but it's helpful to show that, you know, if, you know, if I'm talking to my own child, about this other child and the way that they're acting, it's helpful for me to say, you know, but you have to realize that if you were in a similar situation, you might be just as bad or worse in your own behavior. Yeah. And I think it's helpful just to, to highlight, like, we, none of us are where we are by our own, you know, strength and our own wisdom. Um, you know, it, we are who we are by the grace of God. And, and so that's another opportunity just to teach our kids to look on others with compassion and when we see someone hurting and, and recognize like they, they've had a difficult life yeah. and we're called, we're called to show them mercy. We're called to love them and, and to, um, you know, and I, I just think it, it helps, it helps us to, it, it does give opportunity to help protect our, not protect our kids, but like to retrain our kids thinking and just thinking, you know, you're not, you're not as good as you think you are. Yeah. Uh, you would be, in just bad a shape if the circumstances were, were just so. And, um, you know, and it really does teach him. It's a, a perfect opportunity to teach humility. It's a perfect opportunity to teach mercy and compassion. So I, I think that's really great. Yeah. And so uh, to me, it shows, you know, uh, I, I actually have heard of parents, you know, having a very negative reaction to foster kids being introduced in the church. But in fact, it's actually so positive because it's even a gospel opportunity with our own kids. Uh, and I really love how you guys get to that. So that's awesome. So, Now, what advice do you have for churches ministering to foster children and, uh, their fo and foster families? So, I mean, this can be between how a pastor encourages uh, the family, uh, the broader church together, or even a Sunday school teacher that has uh, some kids drop in and out based upon foster situations? Um, well, I would say it's important not to communicate that there's only one way of caring for the fatherless. Like, there's, there's no, like, special class, kind of like missionaries, you know, that, well, if you really love the Lord, then you're going to be on mission. You're going to go live, give your life, sell all your possessions, and go on the mission field. Um, but I, I think it's important that we understand that, that everybody in their, in their sphere of influence and with the gifts and abilities and resources that they have, they, they can serve in some way. And some, of, some people, it might be the Lord calling them to 
to foster. Some it might be just adoption. Some it might be supporting the families who are adopting or fostering. And so I think from the pastor, it's important for them to communicate those things. Like they need to have a healthy vision of what what is caring for the the the, the, the fatherless, and to see that it's it's not just one thing that is that God is doing, so that people don't feel like they're useless um, or yeah. well if they can't take in a, a, a child in their home that they can't care for orphans that's not true so I think that's important to from from pastors to be able to communicate those things um, and then I also would say just being willing to kind of enter into the world with the foster uh, children and the foster families um, because you don't really get it until you've seen it and yeah. um, and so we've had several of our friends who would visit, you know, because they have, uh, you know, coming coming over to visit Kelly with for play dates and stuff because they have kids that are the same same age as ours, and and they would come and they would be there when the fall, the the, the uh, you know caseworkers come in the house and see just like this revolving door that our home had that there's always people in and out, and and I think it helped them to see wow they're you know, I only see you on a Wednesday or on a Sunday or, you know, at church, but um, normally and in every, you look all put together and everything, but then during the week, you've got somebody coming in in your house all the time. And I think it's just helpful to communicate that, that, you know, just being in the situation so that you can see it and understand it. And then you'll have, I think you'll have a better idea of what the needs are and uh, what ways that you can help. And I, I think in a general sense, that's always the case for, for any kind of ministry. We, we need to be able to enter into people's worlds so that we can see and understand better before we, you know, from the outside, uh, try to just throw money at it or uh, give our counsel without really understanding what's going on. Yeah. <clears throat> that's, that's wise. Um, I, so, uh Tommy and Kelly, how can Christians support families who are serving the Lord through fostering? Um, so I can really speak to this because even though um, you have a lot of people coming in and out of your house, I feel like fostering can be um, very lonely at times. Um, and so I just would encourage the church to reach out to the moms, especially if they stay home. I just encourage the church to check on those families that are fostering and not just ask the question, do you need help? Because I'm going to tell you no if you ask me, do you need help? I think, or used to, I probably would say yes now. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, back then people would say, well, do you need any, do you need anything? And I would say no. And then Tommy would get home and I would say, I just wish somebody would help me <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, cook a meal. Just don't ask. Just if you know that there are foster families in your church, just call them and say, you know what? I'm going to bring a meal to y'all tonight or gift card to go out to eat yeah. or um, that <laughs> really seriously. A major one is there's so much laundry and especially the week you get a foster child, 
you cannot do anything else for your family because you are me. There are a lot of caseworkers coming in your home the first week to two weeks after you get a new placement, always in and out, in and out. Um, and then you have appointments to doctors. You have appointments that you have to go to the dentist. You have appointments um, to maybe for therapy. Then you have the visits to the parents. And then you have the emotional baggage of the kids crying themselves to sleep every night, missing their parents. Or, um, you know, just the, just the behavior. Their behavior is different. Or um, the parents blowing up your phone because they miss their kids, you know. Yeah. And so you have all these things going on. And you just need somebody to come keep your laundry going or um, come and clean your bathroom. I mean, anything like that, I think the church um, should step up and help. And a lot of times it's just they're not educated. they educated on that topic. And I, I really wish that there was uh, a way that, you know, even a pastor could present it in the pulpit of how to help foster families or how to encourage them or maybe a, an informational class or something on that. Um, but I would say just, just knowing the families that are fostering and meeting a lot of physical needs at first would probably be the major ways that they could help. That's good. It's very practical, but yeah, I mean, just, uh, very earthy and real so thank yeah. you thank you guys so much we really appreciate it so and uh we you guys are such a blessing uh to so many and uh i mean you do a duty that is sometimes i'm sure very thankless uh and uh we'll be praying for you guys and praying that you know even uh s somebody randomly s uh, shows up to pick up some laundry for you guys <laughs> 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 Maybe they'll hear this. That can be mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, God bless. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, thank Tony. You. Thanks, Ben. It's nice to talk yes, to you. Yes, guys. Thank you for for giving us your time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.